Welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Kayla Olive is a graduating Master of Fine Arts student at the University of South Carolina. Her final MFA exhibit, Capering, was canceled in person and has moved to the online platform of the McMaster Virtual Gallery at the University of South Carolina School of Visual Art and Design. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. So could you talk to us a little bit about the challenges you faced in going from a more traditional setting of putting your exhibit up on the wall for an uh, for a final exhibit like this and instead doing it online in this virtual setting? Yeah, um, I think the, at first it was more of an emotional challenge of just accepting the fact that I had been creating, working on making all this work for people to see in person and filling a certain space um, to suddenly realizing people aren't going to see it the way I intended them to view it. Uh, they aren't going to see it in person, or at least not yet, hopefully at some point in the future. Um, but that things are going to be seen online and at a smaller scale, my paintings, um, my larger ones are about six feet across by eight feet tall and kind of tower over a human. And so they have so much detail that you just can't see it in photographs. And so realizing that disappointment um, was just a big emotional challenge at first to adjust to. Um, but then kind of working through that uh, hurdle, coming to terms with things, um, it was almost a blessing in disguise that classes got canceled because it gave me more time to be in the studio, um, working on my uh, thesis exhibition and um, just allowed me to pour even more time uh, into my paintings um, and do some extra steps. Um, I was able to um, hang up my paintings in the studio and photograph them and um, Photoshop them into a virtual gallery kind of setting um, to kind of showcase this, this large scale of my paintings. Um, and then they put it on the SAD website. So um, I think, you know, there were definitely challenges and benefits to both the sides. Yes, uh, oh, there are, most things in life come with the positives and the negatives, right? Yes. The, I, I was pleased to be able to see not only the photos, which turned out really well, of the paintings themselves, but the um, in situation in a space. W which gallery space is that that we see on the website? <laughs> it's not a space. <laughs> is, it just, is it just a Photoshop it, made up? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I went on to um, just some... Google image um, stock of just empty walls and uh, grabbed one of those empty walls and stuck it in Photoshop and layered my paintings on top and threw some drop shadows on and uh, kind of mocked the lighting in Photoshop to look like spotlights on each of the paintings. So it's not actually a space that exists at all. <laughs> How much of when you create you know a virtual portfolio because i imagine a lot of times you're sending in your work to people as either images on a website just like this or uh, attachments because you're not sending 
particularly paintings of that size you know, across the country to somebody just to have a look at. Mm-hmm. How much, tell, tell us about the importance of, you know, Photoshop in being able to create the image that you want it to be. Um, I think it has its benefits in situations like this, for sure, when uh, you want to show something in a space that you can't physically make happen. Um, so we can virtually make it happen um, and give you a an idea, a visual to see what I would imagine it to look like in that space. Um, I would say in sending off these images, you're right, like you, it's impractical to just send off you know, paintings to different uh, exhibits or um, applications to jobs or anything like that. Um, And so you do send images. So even applying to grad school, um, we sent in images. um, So that's kind of our world is just sending in images of our artwork to be seen. Um, And I would say Photoshop is very helpful for adjusting color because sometimes you know, the camera only has one eye, whereas we have two, and it sees depth differently than our eyes do. And so Photoshop is helpful in adjusting the contrast, the exposure, um, adjusting colors to um, make sure that the photo- the colors that you see in the photograph match the colors that you see in real life with your eyes. Can you talk a little bit about what you mentioned at the beginning, The what's missing from these pictures versus when you see it in real life. Uh, and reading about your work, it seems that you you use a, a lot of uh, your body um, into the work and it has a lot of detail as a result um, that it's hard to capture when you're just looking at the pictures. Can you describe a little bit more of what people might not be seeing uh, when they come to see these things online? Yes. So um, when you see it online, you see the full painting image. Um, And so you just see uh, kind of abstracted globular forms. um, And you do see some of the nuances in detail work, but it's minute. It's small when you're looking at it either on your phone or on your computer screen, whereas in person, these things are are larger. These details, these um, that you're seeing small on your screen are larger in real life. And then there are things that are even smaller in real life that it's impossible to see in the screen. So I start my paintings by dancing on them, um, which comes from my experience and years of dancing. Um, And I dance on my paintings using my feet as brush strokes and brushes um, to create larger gestural movements uh, with my body and uh, just kind of filling the surface with a matrix of marks. And uh, then I kind of work. Are you in point shoes? Both? No. I So I kind of bounce back and forth between um, just sock foot. So the socks hold the paint really well, I learned. Um, and I do use some just regular ballet shows, um, some canvas ones. And they hold watercolor pretty well um but they don't hold the other paints quite as well and then sometimes I just go barefoot when I'm working with the acrylics because it kind of doesn't need as much absorbing but so I kind of rotate between the three um barefoot sock foot and ballet 
shoes um, just to get a different range of marks on the canvas. And so sometimes you'll see a little ballet shoe print. Other times you'll see like a full footprint. Um, it's interesting that like the sock prints don't actually come through because the sock forms to my foot. And so it just looks like a regular footprint. Um, and so there's lots of those kind of marks in there. There's lots of brush marks. I start working into it after creating that matrix of marks with my feet, working into it with brushes um, and working in watercolor layers, building up into acrylic paint, um, working in oil pastel lines throughout the piece. Um, all these things are coming from just my past experiences with dance. Sometimes I'm dancing like particular moves uh particular steps to create specific marks that I want visually and other times I'm just um dancing arbitrarily um to the music and just being a lot more free with it so there's kind of the balance of both um and knowing having the freedom to know that I can make any marks that I want and I can't mess it up like I can always go back and either push them back into the painting or bring them up and heighten them if I like them um, but I enjoy the idea of the um, more sporadic and intuitive mark as opposed to the calculated and planned mark I think that is also something that can't be seen at the virtual distance of looking at it small on your phone or your screen computer because um, you can see kind of the um, the movement the gesture that these marks have that get lost in the screen how do you pick the music that you dance to um, it just kind of depends on what mood I walk into the studio <laughs> with. Um, so there are times where I'll come in and uh, I don't really feel like painting. And so I start listening to music, uh, normally like more pop, um, you know, just more upbeat music um, to kind of get myself into an active movement of like let's do this let's let's start painting um other times it's you know I'm just feeling more chill and want something a little more slower so I kind of rotate um between just pop culture music um Christian music classical music sometimes if I'm wanting something a little more mellow or jazz um so I listen to a lot of different varieties. Um, and I think that's one of the interesting things is these paintings. I work on them over a period of weeks and come in different days with different moods. Um, yet that all flows together and ties together in each of the paintings. So if, no one painting is a particular genre of music. No. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background. So obviously dancing is uh, an important part of your process for this. Which came first, the visual art or the dancing? Um, in, in your, in like your just life, in my, your career? In my history? Um, <laughs> I think they developed simultaneously. And I think that's why they kind of um, 
come out in my thesis project simultaneously together. Um, but I started painting when I was a little kid. Um, I don't even know, like maybe two or three, you know, I just, I loved playing in the paints and like, just, I could sit there for hours, um, painting. I also loved, you know, just being active and like skipping, dancing around the house when I was a little kid. Um, I got started in, uh, ballet classes when I was in kindergarten, um, and, you know, started taking art classes at school in kindergarten. So kind of started the technical side of both at the same time. Um, I would say, just doing ballet through the years and I did do a couple years of point and um I did I counted it up at one point it was over 10 years of dance uh years of dance but I've definitely done more years of art <laughs> as that has continued to be more uh what I'm more interested in focusing in on the technical side of things um and so I'd say they developed together during my childhood um and then I leaned more into art starting around high school can you tell us about the styles of art that you've studied uh, this seems to be principally a painting show but then there are of course these um three-dimensional parts of the show uh, folded paper and uh, is it brass uh, I think some of these are. Can you tell us about mm -hmm. what, what other genres you work in and how these other pieces uh, came to be a part of this exhibition? Yeah. Uh, so I've primarily been a 2D artist. Um, I have um, you know, practiced and enjoyed working with ceramics and um, I've done a little bit um, of just like some other 3D work, um, glass blowing and that sort of thing, but have really always enjoyed, um, painting and, um, just, I think because of the colors, because of the intuitiveness of, I, that I have with the materials itself, um, probably because it was the most easily accessible to me as a child. And that's what I grew up with and know the most about just from my own experiences of working with it through the years. Um, and when I started my thesis um, ex exhibition and was working on my paintings, um, I wanted to start exploring ideas of what these forms would look like if they weren't just 2D forms and started playing around with the idea of what it would look like in a 3D form um, and wanted to kind of build some of these globular forms in like paint on them. Um, and as I started experimenting with that, nothing that I was trying, I was, uh, was really catching my interest um, as far as the method and the materials that I was using. Um, and so I kind of abandoned that temporarily as I focused on the paintings and finishing up the paintings. Um, and then the folded paper was almost happenstance um, where it just, I happened to do it for a class assignment where um, we had to make a book and I didn't necessarily want to make a standard book. I wanted it, I didn't want to have individual pages that turned that had a broken, you know, different images on each page. I wanted to have one continual image, like a painting. And so uh, 
thought of doing this accordion style book, um, but more so than just the regular back and forth accordion. I remembered from my childhood um, this style of paper folding. I used to love origami as a kid and remembered this style of paper folding, um, this different kind of accordion. And so I chose to do that and made a large painting on it and really fell in love with that and liked the idea that this painting could be compressed and it was, it could stretch out to be a flat painting, but at the same time it could be compressed and squished down almost in a similar manner that like my toes um, would be squished into point, into point shoes or dance shoes throughout the years. Um, the idea of something being constrained and confined being, released was intriguing and was intriguing to me and kind of went along conceptually with my paintings um and so a lot of my globular forms that are in my paintings are all compressed into the picture plane um and so my uh i like the idea that the physical form itself wasn't rigid this paper structure could move and could flow um and was almost dancing paper in itself and so then I started to think of um I'd been I'd taken some classes in uh jewelry smithing and working with small metals um so brass copper uh silver and so started creating these little uh wearable um vessels that I could make miniature paintings with this fold and they could be compressed down into these vessels and spaces. So that's kind of where those came from. And then I suppose an important part of the whole process are these small uh, mixed media uh, five by sevens, uh, mm -hmm. which of course I will admit to you in the very beginning, I thought they were quote small five foot by seven foot. And I thought, <laughs> I know that's slightly smaller than the other ones, but I wouldn't call that small. <laughs> And, and then I realized they were five by seven inches. Yes. Um, they look a lot like sort of research. Uh, I don't know what the correct, correct terminology is, but um, it seems like they are rough sketch, rough ideas that then got incorporated into the um, larger paintings um, that we see at the top of the exhibit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, this sort of project of 50 five by sevens and, and how that came to be and where, where it fits in with the rest of the exhibit? Yeah, so um, in creating these, I use different materials, different paper. Um, some of them is on Yupo paper, which is kind of a plastic. Um, some of them are on yellow or black paper, uh, watercolor paper. There's oil paper, pastel paper. Um, and I was just experimenting and playing around with different materials um, and creating some of these forms um, were um, inspired like by my toes. And so I was looking at them um, more literally um, and doing observational research, I, I would say. Um, others were more um, just of my memories and my imagination of just these forms coming out um, onto the page in whatever um, way that they like intuitively just came about from making marks. They 
came about in the similar way as my larger paintings where I just would pick up a material or color and start making marks. Um, and then I would start finding these shapes in the matrix of the different marks and playing with the materials. And, um, yes, I would say it started as more of a study, but then as it, as I was looking at them in a grid, realizing that they had more um, connection with the larger paintings, which came afterwards. Um, and so wanted that to be able uh, to be seen in the gallery as far as having these 50 drawings um, in a grid on the wall in the same room as these larger paintings and so that they could have a conversation with one another and the viewer would be able to see just the differences um, in and the similarities between the small and the larger paintings and how it's almost this equivalent to a bird's eye view um, of, you know, if you're in a plane looking down at the ground, you see all the detail of the trees versus standing on the ground and looking at all the details on the trees. Um, it's the same trees in both scenarios, but your viewpoint changes. And so I started realizing that was the interesting thing about seeing both of them side by side, the large and the small paintings. Would you have in an ideal world, them arranged in a grid uh, on a gallery wall? Well, sort of like you have on the webpage. What's the ideal way of exhibiting a series of small works like this? Um, I would say I had intended these, um, depending on the space, um, I was originally thinking that they would be in two rows, um, gridded out on the wall, uh, two horizontal rows. Um, but depending on the wall size, if it wasn't in the gallery space that I was planning on, I could also see them shifting into more of a square grid. Um, but I do view them in a grid and not one singularly after the other along the wall. Um, I, I meant to ask earlier, but can you tell us just a little bit more about your painting style from a logistics point of view, how it comes to be? Do you, you know, staple the canvas to the floor? Do you, uh, when you start to work, do you, or do you have this, how many of these do you work on at the same time? Um, these large scale paintings, I, I think it's such an interesting style. And then I'm, you know, also part of that, I noticed that you mentioned that some of the sort of brush strokes, if you will, are uh, not just your feet, but maybe elbow and that kind of stuff. So when, when you're dancing, do you sometimes uh, get down on the floor on top of these paintings as a part of the process? Yeah, so I um, have rolls of canvas. And so I just unroll um, a certain section. I buy eight foot rolls and I unroll about six feet of it and um, make sure all the corners are square and um, cut my canvas up into their six by eight foot forms. Um, and then I have typically three of them laying in the studio space at a time. Um, and I was fortunate that um, we had some extra spaces at school and so I was able to expand. And so I would start three um, one week and I would be working on them 
kind of consecutively in one room. And then I would start three more in another room on the floor. And then I started the um, last three in a third room. So I had three rooms of paintings with three in them kind of going simultaneously. And that was helpful in this, in working this way because um, the three in each room would talk more to each other and colors because I would use similar colors on each of the three. Um, and then, um, but then working, bouncing from room to room, the same uh, methods and um things like that would stay the same and stay consistent to help tie them all together into the same body of work. But changing rooms helped me shift gears a little bit. So they weren't just the same exact painting over and over. It broke up what could have been more monotonous. Um, and so laying my canvas on the, on the floor, um, it almost all three canvases on the floor pretty much filled my studio space. So I could kind of dance from one to the other without even having to step on the regular ground. Um, I would typically try to stay on one at a time and move to another as I shifted colors. But sometimes I would allow myself to kind of go across from one painting into the next painting. Um, and, as I was working, um, I did start doing, um, using colored pencil to create smaller, uh, detailed work that doesn't even show up in most of the photographs at all. Um, but you can definitely see it if you start looking at it up close in person. Um, and I, for those, uh, colored pencil parts, I would be laying on the paintings. Um, and so I would lay on them for hours as I would do some of the detail works um, and just kind of like slide myself along. Um, I would walk um, and crawl and that sort of thing. So there definitely, I would say, probably some knee prints and <laughs> hand prints in there as well. Um, they may not read or look like hand prints, but, you know, just different points where my body has made contact with the painting um, and created a mark that has become part of the painting. So. Did you leave them on the floor start to finish or at any point did you get them off the floor onto a wall in order to do finishing? Um, so my paintings prior to these, I would start them on the floor and then they would get to a certain point and I would put them on the wall so that I could step back and step away from them, um, and get more perspective on my paintings. Um, but for these that ended up in this, um, body of work, I actually left them on the floor the entire time and started realizing that it was important for me to have them on the floor because I could have more of a connection with them where um, that I was experiencing, like all of my experiences were going into this, no matter whether I was walking across the room or whether I was actively dancing on them or um, it just allowed me to be more connected with my paintings, I would say. Um, and I started thinking about this idea of how we think uh, you know, typically art is thought of as precious and, um, you know, you don't want to 
mess it up per se, but I think there was a freeing aspect of that for myself as I was working on them, that nothing I did could mess them up. Um, and everything that I was doing would become what it was supposed to be the entire time. And, um, so whether, you know, the dust that, you know, is on the floor got tracked into the paint a little bit. Like I just thought of that as more pigment that got into the paint that was, you know, more natural. Um, cause you know, pigments coming from the earth naturally, anyhow, um, it was just all part of the process of just that, that connection point for me. And the nine paintings, as we see them online, uh, the, in three rows of three, uh, is each row the a group of paintings that you worked on in the same room? Um, I don't believe that, let's see, I'm looking at them now. Yes, I do believe so. Yes. So they are grouped in the threes. Um, and then the ones where it's shown in the little mock-up virtual gallery, those are grouped in the threes as well as they were in, as they were in each of the studio rooms. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This is really interesting and fascinating art. Um, have you have you ever considered, because it seems like such a unique process, I remember being young, being fascinated with watching films of, um, you know, artists painting. Have you ever considered doing more of like a performance art style thing where um, the dance is also a part of the... Uh, uh, of the final product where people will get to watch you since it's such a fascinating, at least from the outside point of view, a fascinating, unique way of getting art paint onto canvas? I've gotten that question a lot and I've given it a lot of thought. Um, I, at the moment, am not interested in performative art myself. Um, I'm more interested in uh, the process for my own personal enjoyment. Um, not for the viewer's um, enjoyment that might change in the future um, as I go forth and continue uh, making my work that might change. Um, but at the moment, I'm more interested in the process for myself um, and then the final result um, of the painting being a record of the experiences and a record of my uh, body and movements and dance making um, that then the viewer gets to enjoy the recording of it all as a 2D dimensional piece. But I have thought about it and will continue to think about it as I go forward. But at the moment, that's kind of where things lie. Well, I just was curious because dance is traditionally mm -hmm. a... Uh, an art form that people watch. Um, mm -hmm. and, and since you've mixed the two together, I didn't know if that was a part of your thought process or not. Um, well, thank you so much again for your time. It's really tr tr a tremendous exhibit. I, I understand the we're in a similar situation where we are unable to do the thing in the way that we would prefer to do it, um, being an art center where we pr primarily have live performance. So I understand the hardships that come with that, but we're trying to learn and grow through that same process of uh, finding the silver lining of what we can do that's different. Um, so it's really spectacular to get a chance to see this um, because to be honest with you, 
I'm not sure in in a typical busy time of year if I would have say made it over to McMaster to see this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's nice for people who uh, don't know that gallery exists or may not find the time to go see something that's up for a limited period of time this record of it uh, for them to enjoy it. And it really does make me want to go and see stuff live and in person um, because I realized that you're missing a lot of the experience when you're looking at it small online. So uh, thank you for sharing this and hopefully we can find a way that you will here in town be able to get this up uh, when people can come back out so they can get both versions of the, of the process. Yes, we are in the works and hoping to be able to show all three of the MFAs that graduated this past, uh, this May, um, in the fall, um, having an exhibit in the McMaster Gallery. So we're hoping and in the works trying to get that to come to fruition. So. Well, I look forward to seeing it in person. Thank you so much for your time. The exhibit is entitled Capering, and it's her 2020 MFA exhibition. Um, Are you graduating this May? Yes, so just graduated, yes. (laughs) Congratulations and good luck. (laughs) Thank you. I wish you all the best. Thank you, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you for listening to the Coger Center Arts Roundup, and thanks to Kayla for joining us today. Capering can be enjoyed through the University of South Carolina's School of Visual Art and Design online at svadprojects.com slash McMaster-Gallery. For other virtual resources, check the Coger Center for the Arts website at cogercenterforthearts.com. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the Student Media Partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at cogercenterforthearts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.